What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Mr. President, we have a national emergency. This is one of the things that we can shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, normally you can't do that. All of a sudden these trees started moving out of the way. They parted for me. And then I came out into this opening and there where I saw Jesus Christ. Your host, W. Dean Shook, is on the air. My friends, everyone listening on the Blog Talk Radio Network, on the Spreaker Radio Network, on our regular broadcast affiliates across this country, and all of you folks in the UK, 
We're going to have a program tonight that's going to be a little more somber than usual because we're going to talk about some hard truths. Please stay tuned. For you, the listeners of the W. Dean Shook Program, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Get your first 30 days of the Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. It includes one credit, which in most cases, one credit equals one audiobook. Now, after your 30-day free trial, your membership will automatically renew each month for just $14.95. With your membership, you will receive one credit per month plus members-only discounts on all audio purchases. Members also receive one audiobook per month. Membership saves up to 30% on additional purchases. Save up to 75% on all CD audio retail prices, plus a free daily audio subscription to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. Now with over 100,000 titles to choose from, all compatible with your iPod, iPhone, Android, Kindle, BlackBerry, and over 500 MP3 devices. Get your free trial today at audiotrial.com slash shook that's audibletrial.com slash shook got Stitcher? well we're on it so go get it Stitcher is an award winning provider of news and talk radio for your mobile phone Download it free at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Well, good evening, my friends. Thank you, everyone, on Blog Talk. Thank you, everyone, on the Spreaker Radio Network. Thank you to you folks in the UK. Let me say something to you folks listening on Spreaker. You folks are so active. You're, you're you're just outpacing people who listen on Blog Talk, and you're even outpacing our uh, regular broadcast affiliates. Now, we're not like Rush Limbaugh or one of those people that has 580 stations across the country. Um, our numbers are much smaller than that for regular broadcast stations. However, you're even outdoing them. I hear from you folks in the UK. Thank you very much for the emails. 
for the encouragement and even for those who don't necessarily like the program. Um, everybody's welcome to email me at contact at wdeanshook.com. Um, come to the webpage. That's wdeanshook.com. Come and join us on Twitter. You know, I play Georgia Red's music all the time uh, because he's a fantastic Christian artist. does a wonderful job. Um, come to Facebook and you can interact with Georgia Red on my Facebook page. Um, he he posts all the time. So thank you for everyone. Uh, you're you're so incredibly active. You're so supportive. Thank you so much. Now for everybody that listens to me all the time, we've been talking about uh, the, some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. Some hard truths. Uh, for quite a while, um, and I've always given the analogy that when these last days come to pass, right up to the time of the seven-year period of Armageddon, that this is a process. It's a process that requires certain things to happen in certain ways in order to make things come about. And... uh, you know, it's so hard to talk about future events because that's exactly what they are, future events. And, and as man has always tried to interpret God's word and say what all of these future events are going to be, I don't know what your experience has been when it comes to um, dealing with God working in your life. But I'll say this, that the way that I think uh, something should happen um, to get the end result or methods that I have thought of, you know, where I'm thinking, well, I had, I had a pretty good idea there. I'm a pretty smart fella because I think this would work and do this and this and this would work. And he always comes back and does something completely different that I never even considered. And it always works out. So 99.9% of the time when it comes to future events, not necessarily on the conclusion of what that event's going to be. I, th- I think he makes that pretty clear. But the process working up to it can be, uh, I mean, let's face it, he's smarter than we are. Uh, we have little pea brains compared to compared to what he's done and his ability to manipulate his creation. So uh, with that in mind, the uh, end events are still the same. And I've talked about the working up to these things. And I've talked about how America needs to, instead of raising the rest of the world up to our standards, America needs, according to the powers that be, needs to be brought down to everyone else's standards so that we can, quote, unquote, everyone have a fair shot. I'm sure you've heard that many, many, many times, as I have. Everyone needs to have a fair shot. Well, because we are such an exceptional country, because we are so much prosperous than everyone else in the world uh, up to this point, because we have unprecedented freedom, for some reason the powers that be seem to think this is unfair to the rest of the world, that we should have abundance or that we should be able to live in freedom the way we do. And the idea is, in order to bring around this new world order, the one world government, this uh, one world currency, to have a central power, America has to be brought down. And they've been working 
for quite a while to do just exactly that. And they are very successful, and, and we're going to look at the reasons why this, they have been so successful tonight, today, because some of you are listening in the morning, so I shouldn't say night. So let's have a good hard look at this, because in the last few days after the election, America's future for many is looking pretty bleak. And I don't understand exactly how it came about, but to those same Americans, some unfamiliar America is starting to emerge. The traditional American values that made the U.S. an exceptional country that we are, are evaporating. Qualities like self-reliance, a strong work ethic, have been replaced by big government that's taking care of nearly half of the population in one form or another. And it's encouraging others to reach out for this same assistance. Why? You know, Romney's defeat and Obama's win is a victory for the, for the liberal left culture. It's achieved some level of political dominance in our society. You know, and it uses things like political correctness and uh, multiculturalism and relativism. These are all creations of this new left central Marxism. And it has literally shackled a lot of Americans, especially white Americans who seem to be consumed by guilt. It's turning us into a country of decline and decay. Obama just during the election savaged Mitt Romney with personal attacks during the campaign. These attacks were so brutal that it made Romney's son threaten Obama that he will take a swing at him. I don't know if you remember that or not. PC um, factored into, into Romney's constraint political correctness, making him reluctant to fight back against Obama in these uh, personal attacks. You know, things like birthplace, religion, schools, contributors. Romney was afraid that all power was was going to turn against him and he'd be called a racist or uh Islamophobic. And the competition between a white person and an African American in the US has 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 rendered unleavened by guilt over historic race relations. You know, demographic changes in America with the diminishing populations of of white people also affected the outcome of this election. The Democratic Party has consolidated uh, political power through a embrace of non-white minorities and women and young voters. There's an American Idol mentality in this country, which coupled with the fact that young students want to be cool and accepted by their peers on campus is what really led to Obama's victory. And it's influenced by leftist professors 
and students tend to gravitate toward the party that mirrors those PC values. Young single women consider issues like abortion a woman's right. They see the world through a narrow lens of how their personal lives are going to be affected. And I, I'm really stumped. I'm really, really stumped how anybody can think that a woman has a right to murder her own child in the womb. I mean, is it because they can't see them? Or is it because they can't hold them? They can't look into that baby's eyes as, as, as the baby says, Mommy, I'm hungry, or... Uh, I'm just confounded by anybody that thinks a woman has a right to murder her own children. And then, and then we're lied to about it. And we're promoting somebody like Planned Parenthood, a racist, racist eugenic organization that from its very heart, from its very beginning, has been to eliminate as many minorities or undesirables or people that they don't deem fit to reproduce through eugenics and through abortion. And, and they've been very, very successful at this. And every time I do a program on abortion, because as you all know, abortion is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I don't have a personal experience with abortion uh, as far as having an abortion, but I do through through the Lord Christ Jesus, who has really broken my heart for this. Because these are human beings that are being murdered from their very conception. That's a human being that's growing in that mother's womb. This is not a blob of goo. This is not a tadpole that turns to a frog. This is not something that's not human. It is human from the very beginning, and it's a human life being taken. How can that be? Well, this program is not about abortion, so... I'm not going to get too far off in the weeds on that one. But I want to make sure that everybody understands how perverted the thought goes, how perverted the idea is. And when you start getting away from our core values that made this country what it is, and you start promoting everything that the Bible says in the last days will be, everything that is good will be bad, and everything that is bad will be good. It will be like it was in the days of Noah. And that's exactly what this is, where everything that humans, not just America, mankind has, has considered to be good is now bad. And everything that it's always by humans throughout history, not just America, everything that has been considered to be bad is now good and accepted and promoted. And if you don't like it, they're going to indoctrinate you. They're going to cram it down your throat until you are overflowing with this evil doctrine. And they're very, very, very successful at it. They've been at it for quite a while. So, you know, and i got to say this. 
I, I know that there are <clears throat> a large variety of people that listen to this program. Um, there are Christians. There are non-Christians. And that's fine. Everyone is welcome. I encourage everyone to come and listen to this program. Um, but it doesn't matter what political party you belong to. It doesn't matter what race or gender you are. Everyone has core values that you know in your heart are good or bad. And those things are being not only diminished, but actually removed through this indoctrination. Because we truly do have this American Idol mentality. Everybody is so self-centered. It's also... uh, seems to be narcissistic and there's a bit of a reason why I think especially small children from the very beginning are taught to this narcissism it's because they're being told two different things you know at home from from being a very small child parents are telling their children you're very special you're one of a kind nobody is like you we love you so much, and you're so smart. You're this and that, and, and you're very special. And then they get into things like the public schools. And the public schools say, we're all the same. There's no difference between everyone. We share everything. When you bring your school supplies, they go into this barrel. And everybody shares whatever is in that barrel because they're teaching the very basic foundations of socialism and Marxism. Now, socialism is where is exactly that. Marxism is the redistribution of wealth. Marxism is based on its foundation. Karl Marx's foundation was the redistribution of wealth. Everybody gets a fair shot. As in, nobody is rich, nobody is poor, everyone is equal. Marxism and socialism have a lot in common when it comes to that. Now, you know, in socialism, where everything is provided for you, for those of you that don't know, you know, back in the day, back in World War II and before that, socialism would provide you with uh, towels and bars of soap and a certain amount of everything that you need. But you, but it was all rationed. You only get a certain amount of those things. So for a month, you might get two bars of soap for a family of four. You know, and you have to make that last because that's all you get. You didn't have the freedom to go to the store and get necessarily the kind of soap that you want. Or um, if you want some extra soap, um, you know, maybe your your dad or your husband or whatever is a coal miner and he gets very dirty every day. You know, and you, you want him to wash that stuff off before he goes to bed at night. But you only have these two bars of soap. That's all you get. Well... This is where the socialist Marxist thing comes together. This is where Marxism tells you that the redistribution of wealth means that everybody gets two bars of soap. So you're, you're not the only one. You're not being discriminated against. Everybody gets those two bars of soap. And also, um, if you go to my webpage, Penn and Teller have done a very funny uh, little demonstration on the redistribution of wealth that it just made me smile all the way through it. Penn and Teller are funny anyway, um, but they're using pie <laughs> to show the redistribution of wealth. 
And it's a video. It's right on the front page. You don't have to dig for it. Just go to wdeanshook.com and watch that pin and teller uh, demonstration of the redistribution of wealth. Um, it definitely made me smile in a time when I really needed to smile. So let's see what happened. You know, I'm going to try to get back on track here. You know, the the this whole issue of of um, it being a woman's right to to kill her baby in the womb um, is is a political correctness that's being seen through a very narrow tunnel vision lens. And, you know, Hispanics who represent the largest minority in America consider immigration to be their primary issue. Republicans, it's holding up the laws of the land. And it's been even tougher than Democrats on legalizing the illegal immigrants. They've been punished as a result. African Americans, the second largest minority, are likely to vote for a fellow African American, especially when his party stands for the the support programs. Uh, as as a major employer, major employers are now using reverse discrimination, where they are doing the exact same thing that they speak out against, and they're doing the exact opposite of what Martin Luther King said, that you should judge a man by his character, not the color of his skin. But instead, the Democrats are doing just the opposite. The Democrats are saying, because of your skin color, we're going to give you this job or this amount of credit or this or that because of the color of your skin. And they're saying, well, you've been repressed or you've been discriminated against so we're going to give you a little bit extra of this that and the other thing in in the name of keeping things equal well what did martin luther king say he said to judge a man by the content of his character not by the color of his skin because there is good bad smart dumb in all races all races That was his point. Judge a man by the content of his character, not the color of his skin. Don't give him an advantage because he's white or because he's black or because he's Hispanic. You know, and I've made this point, this next point many times before. Why are we putting anything in front of American when we consider ourselves? If we say of ourselves that we're American, then we're American. You're not Latino American, you're not Asian American, you're not Black American, you're just American. Why do we have to put all of these other labels before who and what we are, which is American? We're dividing ourselves. We're segregating ourselves. We don't need some evil master to separate or segregate us when we're doing it ourselves. Whites, Black, Hispanics, Asians, every. Every creed, culture, and race is segregating themselves from everyone else. Are you American or are you not? Everyone who is American, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. You're American first. But that's not the way it is. Instead, because of society, 
because of political correctness, because of everything that goes with that, we are segregating ourselves. We're separating ourselves. We are a nation divided because of this. We're a nation divided of ourselves. We ourselves are dividing ourselves. Nobody's doing this to us. We have the choice, and we, for the most part, we're choosing to go along with the indoctrination that's being crammed down our throats every single day through the media and movies and television and all of this other garbage. You know, George Red says it best. Get the garbage out of your life, my friends. This is garbage. Get this garbage out of your life. Stop separating yourselves. Stop segregating yourselves. You are Americans no matter what color you are, no matter what gender you are, no matter what your ancestors came from, whether they came from under a rock or another country or another universe, whatever. If you're American, you're American first. You see what I'm saying? Do you see how we're separating and segregating each other? Look, there are forces at work in this country that are making things very difficult on us. Very, very difficult. And I'm going to give you an example of that. Of that. I, I want to share a story with you that comes from this last Saturday. The Midwest Marxist Conference was held at Northwestern University School of Journalism. This event was teeming with teachers who spoke about the newfound bond between the radical socialist and their teachers' union. This all-day event, which collected money to support Chicago's socialist and featured a communist bookstore, provided students on campus along with the radical left community to plan the next phase in their activism. Becca Barnes, a Chicago Teachers Union organizer with Chicago Socialists, proclaimed at the beginning of this conference, the struggle here in the United States has entered a new phase. Now here we have pointed the way forward more clearly than here in Chicago with the teachers' union strike. After the opening statement, breakout sessions addressed more specific topics, like the history of the Democratic Party, education, case studies in Russia. In these sessions, speakers continued to celebrate the use of education as a mechanism to insert Marxism into public institutions. In one session, the idea of targeting their message to students, even over the working class, was debated. One teacher who spoke in an afternoon session described his ta tactics to overcome the problem of teachers' unwillingness to take part in the strike while Chicago Teachers Union Vice President Jesse Sharkey understood Barnes' earlier point when he spoke about the struggle of these teachers and the need for additional support from other revolutionary movements through a renewed focus on the strike weapons socialist organizers remarked that they felt their movement had rediscovered its vigor and the path forward ought to include mass strikes they said 
Eric Ruder of the ISO spoke about the socialist partnership with the Chicago Teachers Union during the Meaning of Marxism breakout session. There are big moments in the sort of chain of historical events that we've been able to intervene. And in order to that, you need an organization. That's really the sort of thing you saw in Chicago teachers strike. In a situation where there was a huge struggle, our organization threw itself in the middle of that in and had a demonstrable impact on it. Because we've been rooted, experienced activists who work together in a collaborative way to try to build up that influence over the long haul. I think when you get in revolutionary moment and your ability to quickly access what's happening and make strategic and tactical shifts on the fly, this is essential. Working class revolutions have never succeeded without the existence of a revolutionary party that's capable of making those sort of decisions, providing that kind of leadership, and that's what we're asking you, the members of this group, to join and help in that process. We need you to be able to have enough size and influence to matter, but you need us to be able to be part of that force that could intervene in that sort of chain in historical development. Other speakers addressed perceived weaknesses in the socialist messaging, including the need to shore up the high pay of union members and racism at the AFL-CIO, which, according to the participants, has been a historic problem. Others acknowledge the general public seems to fear us and brainstorm ways to counter these fears. They say the event itself through advertising online and via social media, retained a sense of extreme secrecy. Attendees were told not to record video or audio unless they had express permission from organizers. After attending the all-day event, which began at 11 a.m., they were signed out, not in solidarity, by the International Socialist Organization. And organizer, Dennis Kossuth, around 4 p.m. So what's critical here? Why, why, do, why are we in the situation we're in? Because they have started this indoctrination from the very beginning of public school, um, all the way from kindergarten, probably starting about, I mean, really in force, about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And they have now got a full generation that has been indoctrinated into this whole idea of the foundation of socialism and Marxism. And what is the result of that? We have people who, who are embracing someone like Barack Obama, who's made it very clear what his intentions are. We are where we are. Why? Well, I'm going to take a short break here. And when I come back, I want to cover some 
some election results, the possibility of some fraud about the UN wanting to take over the uh, internet, which they are about to do, and there's nothing in the way of that now. And we're also going to cover some last day prophecy out of the Bible that describes these very things, and it describes our role of who and what we are and how we should act right after this break. You're listening to W. Dean Shook, in time prophecy news and current events. Stay tuned. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Hmm. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equal again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. When you see all of these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words never pass away. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. What is sin? The wickedness of mankind in the mind and body. The deliberate act of evil to the known will of God. It's the undying corruption within God's world and upon death follows a lost eternity. But there was a man, born as a human with the power of God who changed all things. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He came as a child into the world and dwelt among us as our own. He was the light of the world. Sent to bring mankind out of darkness and lead them on the path of truth. 
to free each and every one of us from sin and the darkness within us since we were created. As a child, he taught in the temples with authority and power, and people were filled with hope. His teaching was love, and through his power, he received any who believed in him and made them children of God. For he was God's only Son, sent into the world that all might believe. He's the Savior of the world, who made all things new, and whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Through love, he gave his life and died for all mankind, taking all of our sins upon himself so we could be free. Death couldn't overcome him. He rose from the dead and ascended into the far reaches of heaven. There he waits in his Father's kingdom. His name is Jesus, the Savior of the world. He came to earth once. He will come again. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. He lives, and his love lasts forever. He is the Son of God, and all things were created for Him. To the glory of the Father, who is with us always. You know, I have to tell you, and, and you know, stick with me, those of you who are listening who are not Christians, stick with me with this. You know, the freedom that's experienced through your salvation through Christ is unparalleled. And it's it's not something that can be described. There are no words to describe it. This is something you have to experience. And you know, our instruction manual, the Bible, tells us that his words are nonsense to those that don't belong to him. Now that tells me that for those of you who are not Christian who are saying this is nonsense, I understand. It's not that you won't understand, that you won't accept it, that you won't see what the truth is. It's that you can't. And it's not until you have that relationship with Christ that you're able to actually see the truth. And like I said, this is there's no words to describe this. I mean, why do... Ask yourself, why do so so many people who come to Christ have such a radical conversion? Not everybody does, because not everybody are real Christians. But those who really have it, those who really have a relationship with Christ, are changed people. Their values are now honesty and integrity, virtue and honor. These These are exciting things to have. These are more valuable than anything you could buy at any store, any paycheck you could earn. 
These things are more valuable than anything else. If you lose everything, but you maintain your integrity and your honesty and your values, you're richer than the richest man on earth. There's, and it's like I said before, this is something you just have to experience. Which makes me wonder about everyone who has supported Obama. Now, why do I say that? <clears throat> I say that because it, it makes – what do these people believe? What do the people believe who have supported – who have supported the, the, the same political party who impeached a president, Bill Clinton, for lying to Congress about having sexual relations with an intern? And they have made Bill Clinton the hero. They, they say he is one of the best presidents ever. And he lied to Congress after cheating on his wife and was caught in that lie and impeached. And he is their role model, their hero. Uh, these are the same people who are promoting a woman's right to murder her baby in the womb saying it's a woman's right to do this. What, what do the young people who have been through this indoctrination for the last 20, 25 years, what do they actually believe? One of the most remarkable impressions of the election in places like Times Square and the Obama campaign stadium in Chicago, crowds of people cheering and laughing and dancing and crying with joy over these results. Now, and these are people who will have to live with the consequences of this election the longest. And I think it's worth asking, what is it exactly that they're cheering? What do they believe? Why are they cheering? What do they believe that brings them to cheer and cry and be so overjoyed? They must believe that their future is bright, that it's been saved from the ravages of evil. That it's been saved from the uncaring racist and homophobic Republicans with that rich uh, white vulture of a weird cult at the top of the ticket. Well, their their free education, free student loans, free health care, including contraception and abortion services, are now secure. The fact that so many college graduates can't find work today is is George Bush's fault. Circumstances will will be resolved by the policies and procedures of the Obama administration. What do they believe about Republicans? They must believe that the 48% of Americans, half of the country, hate women and gays and minorities and would force all women to have invasive ultrasounds and gays to be burned next to witches and blacks sent to the back of the bus if not back to the cotton fields. They must believe that Ron Paul wishes to commit a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre-style um, entitlement cuts on all entitlement programs. And they're counting on those programs, who will now be solvent with no sacrifice required on their part. Somebody's going to pay the bill, but it won't be them. And the government's coming out and saying all of these things are free. Let me tell you, folks, nothing is free. I said this the other day, every day that I get a, or every week that I get a paycheck, that's a bill for these. 
when I pay my taxes, I'm paying for this. This is not free. And I know some of these, maybe some of you are saying, well, it's free to me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not free to me, and I'm not getting any of the benefits. So what do they believe about America's role in the world? They must believe that a foreign policy of apologizing for American pluralism or imperialism or uh, bowing to Saudi kings or supplicating for a reset of relations with Russia is leading uh, to things like uh, Benghazi. Benghazi, what happened there? Throwing Israel under the bus. You know, I, I had some... I had a story and some sound clips of that very thing. We're in Chicago at the celebration. Obama supporters were singing a song of goodbye to the Jews, saying that now that Obama's got a second term, there will be no more Israel. Goodbye, Jews. Goodbye, Jews. Well, did anybody ever see the movie uh, Schindler's List? Well, in the movie Schindler's List, when they first started gathering the, the Jews together, the Germans, the Nazis, were lined up on the streets. And as the Jews were be, being marched out of town, they stood on the side of the road. And as the Jews walked by, that's exact words that they said in this movie. Goodbye, Jews. Goodbye, Jews. Well, that's what these supporters of Obama are saying. Why Why are they chanting and singing and saying goodbye to the Jews? Because no matter what the media says, no matter what Obama says, he's made it very clear through his actions, because remember, you can say anything, but the proof is in the pudding. He has proven through his actions that, that he is anti-Israel. And they believe now that he has his second term. It's goodbye Jews. That's that's why they're so bold as to be out here singing their song. So they must believe in this foreign policy. They must believe in uh, everything that's throwing Israel under the bus and completely inadequate, I guess is the only good word to say about, about Iran's nuclear ambitions. What about China's expanding Pacific Navy? What about the global jihad network and the rest of the geopolitics for the next four to 40 years? <clears throat> I think they have the attitude, as long as we don't have a warmongering president with an itchy trigger finger looking for another Iraq to invade, that it's all good. They must believe that it's a good thing for Obama to have greater flexibility with Russia and Saudi Arabia and the Muslim Brotherhood. They have to believe that the United Nations is a greater force for good in the world than America. That America's exceptionalism should be subordinated to the international community. Why do they believe what do they believe about economic issues? This is huge. What little economics they've been spoon-fed in our schools and universities must have been Keynesian, whereby all good things come from government. Nothing good comes from greedy capitalists, you one percenters. 
the fact that the federal government consumes a higher percentage of the GDP today than at any other time since World War II. And they don't see it as a problem because government tax revenue and spending is what brings about prosperity, right? They must believe that it was the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan that bankrupted the nation. That fat cat pure capitalist bankers caused a financial crisis by relining minority communities. That increased social spending like Obamacare is a positive. They must believe that entitlements and unfunded uh, benefit pensions and liabilities for unionized government employees are are great things. They must be honored above all rights and and be put above private sector taxpayers. And the federal the federal deficit and the national debts are I, I don't I don't know what they believe on that. They're the ones that are going to pay for it. Them and their kids. They have to believe that there are 50 million people in America without access to health care who now get it free of charge with no impact on anybody else. That they can get unemployment that comes from somewhere, who knows? It falls in the sky, nobody pays for it, it's free for them. And it's difficult to tell what they what they believe about socialism or communism and capitalism because it's doubtful that they have real, any real understanding of the significance of any of those. What are the histories of the nations that have attempted to implement all of those things and of the people who've lived under them? If they possessed any understanding at all of socialism, they would deny socialism outright. With the, if they would just look at the principles of the European political parties that have no qualms about using uh, these words in their names – they would see what the truth is. But they they have no understanding of these things. Maybe they're not terribly concerned with any of these things. Because espousing a purely self-interested point of view, they have the uh, expectation of being on the inside, of having government careers or belonging to unions who, whose power will insulate them from having government uh, crisis or... Um, cuts in salaries and they'll have great job security and pensions and they'll be protected from any general economic conditions as long as they hold off attacks by barbarians like Scott Walker or Chris Christie. They do not blame the United Auto Workers for the economic devastation of Detroit. But instead they seem to celebrate its clout in the auto bailout. They do not blame collective bargaining on the part of the employees whose salaries are paid by taxpayers for the bankruptcy of Michigan or New Jersey or California. Or they don't care. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what these people are thinking. Clearly, they've, they've been indoctrinated. They've been indoctrinated since kindergarten. And, and now this indoctrination has got a full generation and you know when we've talked about these last days in the past 
Since 1960-61, when prayer was taken out of school, moral crimes have doubled and sometimes tripled every year since then. Every year since then. Moral crimes being things that goes against God's will. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality, all of these things. And you know, for a long time, I've wanted to be very frank about about homosexuality, to look at it for what it really is. And I've been hesitant to do that because, you know, if we were just internet radio alone, I would probably not hesitate <clears throat> to uh, to say it the way it is. But because we have regular broadcast affiliates on regular broadcast radio affiliates across the country, um, I I have refrained from doing that because I I want them to be able to broadcast the program without censoring it, <laughs> which is I'm sure what would happen. I don't want that to happen. So um, maybe I'll find a way in the future to to be a little more diplomatic about. But, I mean, the reality of it is is pretty stark. <clears throat> so when it comes to things like this, the fundamental change in this country, we are, we have we are now not what we used to be. And, you know, I want to look at this in, in political and spiritual light. Because the only way to really get through this is to know what's most important. And what's most important is to understand what the last days mean. And to understand that the things of this world are going to pass away. But your relationship with God would never pass away. If your relationship is real, I want to give you a couple of verses here. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 4 through 6, it says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, not of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And that doesn't mean sober as in not drinking. That means sober as in open your eyes and see what's going on around you. Romans 13 says, And that, knowing the time, that now is a high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation, nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. My friends, this is the time to get right with your maker. This is the time. If you're one of these people who have always said, someday maybe I'll do that or I'll explore that, there, now is the time. If you ever had any inclination to come to God, to come to Christ, to start this relationship, now is the time. Don't wait until it's too late. You're being warned. Don't wait until it's too late. The result of the of the recent 
U.S. elections, it's not surprising to Bible believers who know the spiritual condition of America. We should not respond as unbelievers and heretics and nominal Christians respond to these confusing, frustrating times. A lot of people are in despair. They're frantically trying to find a safe haven for their wealth. But we are not Christians in name only. We are born again by God's Spirit, and we walk in the light of God's infallible Word. We know the times, or at least we should. We understand the underlying spiritual fundamentalist of, of society. We are pilgrims. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are exhorted to set off the affection of everything that I just said, not on things on earth. The Bible shines a brilliant light on every situation in this present world. And I'm trying to bring that to you on a daily basis to show you that the Bible is is a solid source of information for the times we're in. And this is a solid source. You know, the Bible's going to tell you what's going on in our present day, these last days, better than any man or any writings of anyone anywhere. And I go through this all the time I have for the last two years on this program where I have compared in-time Bible prophecy to current events in recent history, proving that these things are coming to pass in our day. Why am I doing this? Why are other people like me doing this? Because we're sounding the alarm that the time is now. The time to get right is now, not later. Yeah, it may be nonsense to you now. For those of you who are not Christian, it may be nonsense to you now. But it won't be if you will come and search for the light to see the truth. Jeremiah 23.15 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of Gal. For from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. Now, the root problem in America is the same as it was in the old days of Israel. You see, God told Jeremiah that it was the prophets of Israel who had spread profaneness and filthiness throughout the land. In Jeremiah 23, the fundamental issue was the apostate, the compromising condition of the prophets. This is true in America and Canada and the U.K., the battle for our nations is won or lost in the churches and the Christian homes, not in the realm of politics and social welfare. The root problem with America's deep moral sickness is the apostasy in the church. America does not have the fear of God because the churches are not preaching the fear of God. That's because the pastors are compromisers and apostates who are afraid of people more than the fear of God, who care more about their individual bottom line than about the truth. Multitudes of professing Christians vote for wicked politicians and support the murder of unborn children and the, the legitimizing of homosexuality and 
all other kinds of evil. The fundamental problem is not with the the belly-serving politicians. It's with the professing Christians who vote for all of them. You know, it could be that God's curse is on America. And this should be obvious to every Bible believer. We are cursed with droughts and floods and tornadoes, multi-billion dollar megastorms. We're cursed with rampant disease. We're cursed with foolish leaders who pursue political guarantees to destroy this country. We're cursed with judges who are passionate about casting aside the very constitution that they vowed to uphold in favor of modern opinions. We're cursed with policies guaranteed to weaken commerce and destroy the value of our currency. We're cursed with the abuse of our military by the commander-in-chief himself. We're cursed with mainstream media that hates the truth and rejoices in lies. These are the same people that are devoted to propaganda in the name of fair reporting. We're cursed with national education system designed to produce moral rebels and spiritual fools. We're cursed with an entertainment industry that fervently devoted to everything abominable in God's eyes. We're cursed with a breathtaking loss of freedom with the government snooping into every nook and cranny of our lives and our businesses. But we have to understand that curses are the symptoms Healing does not come by focusing on symptoms. Now, even though it might be right and necessary to reprove the works of darkness, according to Ephesians, the fundamental element is the spiritual compromise and the apostasy of professing Christians and churches that name the name of Jesus Christ. And particularly in America, which is a nation filled with churches and professing Christians. You know, this passionate politicking on the part of Bible believers that joining hands with pagans and heretics to save America just shows a lack of wisdom and spiritual understanding. There's a lot of things you can do to help America or any other nation which finds itself in like ourselves. Carnal politicking and yoking together with heretics and unbelievers is disobedience to God's word. You see that in Romans 16, uh, 17, and in Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. This has been tried since the formation of this misguided moral majority in the 1980s. And the only result is a, is a steeper slide into this very destruction that there's no way out of now. And the answer is not another Ronald Reagan but a genuine spiritual revival. A genuine spiritual revival. My friends, if you're not a Christian, you are you are historically a minority. You may not be a minority over the last 20 or 25 years, but historically, you would be a minority. Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will 
forgive their sins, and will heal their land. This verse provides us with the answer to the question, what can I do to help my nation? There you go. Now, this verse is addressed addressed originally to Israel, but it has applications in our day. We're told now all these things happened unto them for in samples, as they are written for our admonish um, for our education. You know the answer to what we can do for the nation is to humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face to turn from our wicked ways so that we can have the blessing of the power of God who will heal our nation if we'll he says if we will return to him he will return to us how do you think we got to be the most exceptional country in the world we got this through our devotion to God now over the last 25 years we're pushing God out and what's happening to our country this is easy to see my friends if you if you walk through water, you're going to get wet. It's a consequence of your actions. The condition of our country is a consequence of our actions. You walk through water, you get wet. You turn away from God, your country goes down the tubes. That's the way this works. People don't have to form any sort of majority to have a influence in their own nation. One man or woman of, of God on praying ground, can stem the tide of a lot of evil and restrain divine judgment, at least temporarily. He will hear us if we will humble ourselves and go to him. We need to stop listening to all of the dinglings and the fruits and nuts all over this country. That includes Limbaugh and Hannity and Glenn Beck, who spend a lot of time in God's word and prayer and and. Get out into the harvest field with the gospel and win our children to Christ. Disciple them in a serious manner. We need to start teaching our children where they come from, and that's from God. We need to purify our individual lives and homes and churches from the influence of the world. We need to cut off association with spiritual compromisers and apostates. We need to get back to the basics of God's word, not the teachings of man. And I've been talking about this a lot lately, to separate the yokes from the whites. That is to separate God's word from the teachings of man. Man's teachings or interpretations of God's word is exactly what the Bible says. All men are liars. God's word is the truth, not his interpretation of it. Not man's interpretation of God's word, but God's word. This is where we're coming into the, the problems here. We need to pure our individual. We need to purify our individual lives. You know, we're doing less praying than ever, and we're living in the most desperate times imaginable. How carnal and lukewarm are we? How far from Christ are we? We've taken the word of man over the word of God and look at the consequences. We have mega preachers who have 10, 20,000 people show up to their church every night. 
who are not teaching repentance and a wrath to come. Instead, they're teaching this feel-good gospel that says that God's here to serve you. He wants you to be happy. If you'll do this and if you'll do that, he'll he'll give you everything the world has to offer, pressed down, shaken up, and pouring over. Really? Is that what God says? Is that what he means when he says those things? No, it's not. The rewards he's talking about will not be in this world. He tells us we will be persecuted for his namesake. In fact, let me give you a verse here. This is of Luke chapter 6. Verse 22, blessed are ye when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name for evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did their forefathers unto the prophets do. Do you, do you see what I'm saying here? Do you understand what I'm saying? What happened to the apostles when they preached? How many times was Paul stoned? How many times did did they get ran out of town? How many times were they beaten? How many times were they taken to jail? Didn't even stop them. God said, this is what's going to happen if you're speaking the truth. So ask yourself, are you the talk of the town? Does everybody love you? Well, some people loved the apostles when they preached. Others hated them. Does anybody hate you because of who and what you are? Or are you one of these people who say things like, uh, well, I didn't say anything about that because I don't want to offend anyone. If you're worried if you're worried about offending someone by talking about God's word you better give yourself a self-exam because his word is offensive. It's offensive to everyone who doesn't belong to him. It's offensive to the world because it's opposite of the world. He tells us to be in the world but not of the world. The things of the world are going to hate you for who and what you are just like I just read. I want you to listen to this little clip. And when this clip is over, I'll come right back to see. Do I have this clip? Let me make sure I do. Yes, I do. Please listen to this. But in the church, we have replaced the preaching of the Word of God with programs and with fads. We have all the self help sermonettes you can imagine. We have the feel-good gospel being preached right and left, and then we have people who say, let's not talk too much about Jesus, the seeker-sensitive people. We have the purpose-driven crowd. We have the emergent crowd. We have blatant, bold liberalism, and it all equates up to one word, apostasia, apostasy in English. That's what's happening around us today, and it's no wonder we have a great amount of people who are seeming to wander through the wilderness. These end times dangers are prophetic, and they're advancing, and I've already told you why. 
because of the lack of regard for the Word of God. This is exactly why this has happened in our theological institutions and our mainline denominations and now inside evangelical denominations and circles. It is happening because they aren't following the Bible and because in many cases the seminaries and Bible colleges are teaching against the authenticity of the very Word of God. Amos tells us about this condition. He prophesies very correctly to our day, and Amos 8 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro, and seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst, they that swear by the sin of Samaria, and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the matter of Beersheba liveth, even though they shall fall and never rise again. Now there's some interesting points in there that if you didn't know what to look for and what these phrases mean, I think we need to point out. The sin of Samaria was religious idolatry. It was cultism. And people will follow after cultism and then never find the truth of the Word of God because they have followed it. The other phrase there, the manner of Beersheba liveth, this is a blatant in your face against true worship. An ancient mocking insult and a challenge to anyone desiring to follow God's prescription in worship. It is denying um, Jerusalem, is endorsing the high places, that would be the cultic spots, and proclaiming that any worship is good worship. You know, just pick your God. Baal, sure. Jehovah, maybe. Yeah, Ashtoreth, Molech, well, they're all okay. Whatever one you want to worship is okay. Or the mixing of them together, that's what this is saying. The manner of Beersheba liveth, mocked the prophets of God, controverted the word of God, claimed to be a renewal of the ancient esoteric practices and truths. Sound familiar? Anybody who knows and understands what the emergent church is teaching knows that's exactly what they stand on so much. I'm proclaiming to do your own thing, and if it feels good, do it, in modern vernacular. So that sounds very much like the emergent church movement, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like what some of us have battled in our local churches, having a form of godliness but without Jesus Christ. This is exactly what is happening in the church today, and this is why the church, the real church, you and I, who love God and who love his word, need to have the Bible open and do what it says. And it won't be judgmental, and it won't be unkind, and it won't be nitpicky when you and I begin to test everything and hold on to that which is good and avoid and stain from every kind of evil. Prove all things, the King James says. Test everything. That's the prescription. If you're to remain healthy in the day we live in, that's the prescription, no matter what it costs, to stay true to the Word of God. We're to examine ourselves to make certain that we are in the faith. Every one of us should take stock of where we're at to see if we have slipped into some sort of religious ideals or slumber. The end times are going to be fraught with deception, 
it is now fast becoming normal, isn't it, inside church circles? When I meet someone at an airport or on an airplane or in a restaurant or somewhere out on the road or maybe around where I live, and they say they're Christians, I always kind of go, I wonder what that means to them. You almost have to dig and pry and ask questions or proclaim who you are. You know, I, I'm afraid to use the word evangelical anymore. How about you? I mean, if I use the word evangelical, I've almost got to use a paragraph afterward to explain what that means to me because so many people like Brian McLaren and others calling themselves evangelicals, and as I've said so often, if they're evangelicals, I'm not, and I didn't leave them. They left me. Just ask your friends. If we could go back in time and we could talk to those who are watching the same thing happen in the once evangelical, now called mainline churches, uh, Methodists, Presbyterians, Congregationalists, some of the Lutherans, some of the Baptists, Disciples of Christ and others. If we could ask them what the signs were, the trouble signs, just before their theological institutions and then their denomination and then their pulpits and then the congregations began to slide down the tube into apostasy, they would tell us that the same thing is now happening in evangelical circles. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good example. You know, let me make something clear here. The spiritually weak condition of our families and our churches is the reason why so few are surrendering to the call the call to preach the gospel to the end of the earth. Parents are living more for themselves than for Christ, and the children are following in their footsteps. The real battle for the soul of America, or any other country, Canada, the UK, any the Philippines, anywhere, is not in the White House. It's in God's house. This is precisely where we need to focus our attention. What does it say in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 3 through 7? Listen closely to this. Please, listen to this. Thessalonians, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not, that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity do already work. The mystery of iniquity is already at work. This passage shows a great light on the times that we're in right now. The Bible believer who interprets prophecy literally in accordance with how it has always been fulfilled knows that we live in the last days and that we're rushing at light speed toward the very end. The mystery of iniquity is the devil's program to put the man of sin on the throne of the world. No matter what we do, we're not going to stop this runaway engine of end-time prophecy. We're not going to stop the progress of the mystery of iniquity. We're not going to stop the globalization process, the one-world church building, this new age thinking, the me-first pulp culture, or the, military, the militarism that's 
preparing the world for this very man of sin. We're not going to lift the veil of spiritual darkness that's falling over all of mankind, all over the world. We're not going to stop the spread of idolatry. We're not going to stop the preparing of man's heart for the idols that will sit on the throne of the world. Now, like I said before, those people who don't believe the Bible or don't understand its prophecies, but who are somewhat enlightened to these things, need to be reasonable in their thinking. You know, Second Peter 3 and Thessalonians 2 said, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day... Is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord, the Lord is not slack in concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, Lord, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For the mystery of iniquity doeth work already. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall be wicked revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. My friends, over the over the next few days, I'm going to I'm going to cover a subject that is is one of my favorites. And that is wars and rumors of wars. When you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, I haven't been talking about the Middle East a lot lately. But in the past, I have covered the Middle East extensively. And every time I do this, I bring you news from the Middle East that's, that comes from the Middle East. It doesn't come from any of the alphabet lying networks here in, in America. Over the next few days, because there has been an uptick in activity, military activity over there, where it's, as I've told you before, as things escalate, as they escalate, there's, there's an increasing chance every day of war breaking out. Now they're firing shots at each other, Syria and Turkey and Israel. Gaza. Now, Egypt is getting angry, um, threatening to break this peace treaty. We're going to take a hard look at some of these things over the next few days. You can come to my website, wdeanshook.com. Join me on Facebook, wdeanshook on Facebook. Also on Twitter, wdeanshook on Twitter. You can email me at contact at wdeanshook.com. I only have a couple minutes left. I want to play you a Georgia Red song. Please listen to this song before you go. Don't leave before you listen to this song because this song is going to ask you a vital question. I'll see you tomorrow. Let me ask you, brother, 
but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave could not hold him. Ha <laughs> ha! Yes, that's my king, and I wonder, do you know him? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.